0: Hello friends of Soul Kitchen, thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Jasper Mozart, I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach and wisdom seeker. With Soul Kitchen I interview people that inspire me, from TED speakers to social entrepreneurs, from activists to artists, from dreamers to seekers, from business people to spiritual teachers. With Soul Kitchen I empower people to live their quest. And each episode contains a recipe for life. What is your quest? Welcome, friends of Soul Kitchen. Thank you for listening to this uh, new episode. I am in Ecuador at the moment. I just arrived here a few days ago, and I'm in a place called Tena, in the middle of the Amazonian part of Ecuador. So I'm very, very excited to be here. And um, today I'm talking to my buddy Fabian whom I met in Rwanda, in Africa, through mutual connection, and whom I also met again last summer in, uh, in Sweden. And Fabian, in the past, he had a business in Africa to help African entrepreneurs set up new businesses, and he traveled in a bus through many, many countries. He has also worked with the UN, and nowadays he's organizing oceanic retreats. So um, how are you uh, today, Fabian, and where are you? Hey buddy, how are you? Um, so,
1: I am right now in uh, also in the jungle. I'm in the tropical rainforest, rainforest of north eastern Australia in Daintree, and I'm happy to talk to you.
0: Uh, excellent. What what brought you to Australia?
1: Oh, so um, initially growing up when I was like a, a young boy. I had uh, an interest in moving to Australia. I have no idea why, and I actually never visited Australia until last year. And uh, one of my friends from Australia, she invited me to house sit her place in Brisbane. So I was thinking, okay, this is an interesting opportunity. And I'm also just curious about um, the spiritual potential I can encounter here.
0: Mm, and what type of spiritual potential do you hope to find there?
1: <laughs> that's a
0: great question,
1: and I think I have I have no idea. I really don't know. I just came here and um, was open to discover, and I have um, challenged uh, a few difficulties since I arrived. And maybe that's it. But let's see. I'm planning on being
0: for another two months here. Two months in uh, in Australia.
1: Um, yeah but you know if, if yeah sorry i would i would just like to um yeah what's what's this the question hm i would like to um, it's a good question i'm not sure yeah
0: i'm curious because you have been you've had a very uh, varied career you know you've worked in africa you've worked in egypt mm-hmm. with you've worked with the UN, like what has been a bit, a bit of your mission or what has been driving you?
1: Um, so I'd say I've always had an interest in helping other people um, and doing good for the world and that's one of the reasons why I initially joined the UN first as an intern for about six months um, during my studies and Aligned with this mission, I also incorporated a nonprofit organization enabling young African entrepreneurs to build startup businesses with an impact. And then probably also aligned with this mission, I um, eventually volunteered in conservation of dolphins uh, in the Red Sea of Egypt for a couple of months.
0: Uh, wow. And in Africa, can you share a bit more about the adventures empowering entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, so um, I was running a, I was CEO of a startup in Berlin. It was a hell of a journey. It was a pretty um, tough time and the company went bankrupt. And one of our interns back then, he brought a project from Silicon Valley to first Germany and then to Europe called startup bus so it's essentially a bunch of business guys and tech guys and creatives coming together on a bus journey for a couple of days and it's kind of a hackathon which means you create new business ideas new apps websites solutions whatever on the go and i brought this as a concept to the african continent back in 2013 it was a passion project where we Bootstrapped the whole thing, which means we didn't have any funding we put in. It was all based on, on many, many volunteers making this happen. And we also run a crowdfunding campaign. And then um, it was pretty successful. So we expanded this model to more countries, which means we covered a total of 16 countries in Africa with our Startup Bus project. And we also tapped into different type of partners that would provide funding and all of that so overall it was a very exciting time
0: I, very I was very a couple of years I was very inspired when I heard about your your projects I'm curious don't you have any fears before you launch such a big project
1: um, no <laughs> I can't remember The fear comes in once it's started, and I have the challenges.
0: (laughs) Uh, I see. So, can you share one of the challenges that you have experienced with the project?
1: Oof! So, so many. So, one of them, uh, hiring and bringing people on board who are not truly aligned with the mission or who have maybe the wrong intentions. That's super, super crucial. That's uh, that's one learning to, I would say, test people a bit more before we go into deeper commitments. Um, also, I was not always in full integrity and honesty when I was running that nonprofit. So that's another huge learning. It always comes back, you know. And, you know, What I think is a good advice is if you run a nonprofit or a business or whatever, always think that whatever you do could be showing up on the news tomorrow, like on the front cover of New York Times, would you still (laughs) do it? You know, so I think if everyone would be operating in that world like that, then there would be less problems.
0: And what was the part? uh, So thank you for sharing vulnerably about the fact that you haven't always been in integrity, but what was the part? you were not, not in integrity about? It
1: um, uh, was, for example, uh, you know, we were desperately looking for um, sponsorship and funding. And some of the government grants we received, they, are, um, they have certain requirements, you know, like, for example, we give you this amount of money if you find another amount of money and then we match it and these sort of things. And yeah, we did some creative accounting around that (laughs) Yeah, because we wanted to grow massively, you know, and in fact, many of the issues and challenges I was facing are very much linked to my inner journey. So Mm -hmm. why did I want to grow that business so fast? Well, probably because I wanted to show the world how great I am. You know, why did I want to show the world how great I am? Because there is some wound inside of me, which needs love. And therefore, it's very, very important, I feel, for everyone and in particular leaders to do some inner work.
0: Yeah. That's that's basically what I do today. Yeah. That's beautiful. And that inner work that you're doing or that wound that you still had to heal like where did that wound come from if you're willing to share
1: um so it always goes back to childhood um if we follow you know the mainstream therapy um of the west uh so it's linked to how we all grow up how i grew up how I was embedded in a network of relationships, relationships with my family members, you know.
0: But, so you you became more passionate for inner work. So can you share a bit more about your vision for inner work, why it matters?
1: Um, Yeah, wow. So what's my vision? Um, So something that I really enjoyed was a workshop I was participating in with a lady called Momo. Um, she 's French German and she has been living in Egypt for about i don 't know 20 years or so and she runs workshops on healing your inner child um, and it 's very inspirational because it just brings so much of our shadows our fears our our strategies our programs that we have kind of like learned and brings all of this to the surface brings awareness to 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 things we do in our life like why are we operating in a certain level why do we live our life in a certain way um and i just feel that this is super powerful and for me what i do is i run retreats these days and it's pretty much a combination of Doing exactly that, healing your inner child, but also some more holistic and fun activities and I just put my offering out there, and people who come if they if they can you know heal if they love it, then I have accomplished my mission
0: ah uh, that's beautiful, so you want to empower people to uh, to heal themselves, and what type of people have you been attracting so far, and why did they want to show up
1: <clears throat> yeah so um People who come to our retreats, they come from different backgrounds. So let's say there is a um, 60 years old banker from Switzerland, a UN dipl- diplomat in her 30s from Canada, from France, uh, a teacher from Berlin, uh, a businessman from the US or from Sweden. So these are some of the people that come to our retreats. Of course, we are also open for um, people who are maybe less achieved in the business or diplomacy world. So these type of people come to the retreats and they have different motives, you know. Some people, they um, just have very stressful jobs Mm -hmm. and they understand that it does make sense not only to go on a holiday and maybe relax on the beach, But also, um, why we are on holidays, being held by a very tight community of like-minded souls, uh, of people who are open to show um, vulnerability, Um, at the same time, of course, they want to relax and they want to have a great time. And that's why we also do a lot of fun things, like freediving and all of that. So, I would say this is like, these are like people who are executives who want to avoid burnout. You know, like they know they're busy, but they need to take time out, time off, to go on holidays. And I really admire these people, you know, because this is something I haven't done personally. I didn't go on holidays for many, many years. And these people do. And they even combine this with inner work, which I love so much. Yeah. Then there's people um who might just have a recent change of relationship status or maybe they are at a point where they would like to change something in their life and their career you know so they take it as an opportunity to to go away from home and connect with themselves go deeper to see what they really want and get some inspiration so yeah i would say those are the type of the people that come and then there's always people who are already on a on a journey and they love to go to retreats, and they have done already a few things and they're kind of like looking to um, go deeper in different spiritual practices.
0: And I'm curious because I think it's quite courageous that you're starting this um, but I can imagine you also collaborate with other people that bring different skills. So what type of people do you collaborate with?
1: Yeah, so we collaborate with amazing people. So myself, I'm just the organizer, you know, I'm around, I'm holding space. Um, So one of our main collaborators is, of course, the venue where we are. We have a beautiful retreat center on the beach and it's um, privately owned. So it's very important for us that it's aligned with our mission. Then, of course, I work with Momo, um, who's doing the inner child work. And other trusted people and friends, um, on the one hand, we have the water sports. In water sports, um, there is a broad selection of different people we work with. Let's say you want to do freediving. Okay, that's great. Are you more interested in going deeper? because you have like this appetite to be um, super sporty and be an athlete. Okay, then I would recommend you one of our team members who is like, a let's say a champion in freediving and who is very professional um, in the way of training, practicing and so on. If you tell me, I don't really know what to do, but I want to spend some time free diving and I'm so interested in my inner world development, then I would probably pick another teacher of ours who is um, more into that space. Um, yeah, and then we have team members who are specialized in sound healing, holding space for ceremonies, yoga, and so on they tend to be role models for our guests in one way or the other, because they have already done some courageous steps in their lives to liberate themselves. So we have a lot of free spirits on our team. So I'm not looking so much to collaborate with teachers or hire people who have like, I don't know, 100,000 followers on Instagram. This shows that they master something, but I'm actually looking for people who might not even have an Instagram account, you know? Um, so I'm looking for people ideally on our team who are uh, really truthfully aligned with what we are doing here.
0: So, really free spirits and they've liberated themselves. So, yeah, do yeah
1: you I also basically say,
0: say with this that do you, do you also say that people that have a lot of followers are not aligned or not truthful?
1: No, I would not say that. Um, for sure not. Because there's great leaders around, like Eckhart for example. I'm sure he has millions of followers, or Sadhguru, you know, on Instagram. Um, however, me personally, I've, I've had a hard time in the past to actually find um, authentic teachers who... Mm-hmm are also like very strong on social media
0: i see so it's kind of a different skill set maybe
1: yes yes i i believe so
0: i can imagine that some uh some teachers that are really good maybe they also want a lot of space for themselves to reflect yes. to contemplate they don't want to be on instagram yeah. every day <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes exactly it sucks out energy to be online all the time you
0: know i think where do, it, you find, where do you find all those people you you find them in egypt where you live
1: no because in egypt um, where i live it's um, either locals so it's Bedouins mm-hmm. or egyptians and they don't really book retreats at least not um, retreats which are made for international guests like ours we mm-hmm. do have uh, Egyptians sometimes, which is great. Um, so where do I find uh, people who come to the retreat? So some of them, they know me personally from, from, from my life. You know, I meet them maybe on my journey of life. Mm-hmm. And most of these guys who come, we have a deep connection. Um, then I also, I'm part of several communities. You know, like for example... You and I, Jasper, we met again last year in Eco Village in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And I, I did find someone from that community who came to my retreat. Um, also, I found some people at the UN who came to my retreat. So it's really different, uh, different ways of finding people or them finding us.
0: Yeah, I see. And is it a lot through... Um one-on-one on one connection, or or do also like strangers show up, or people that find you online, or how does that go?
1: <clears throat> so sometimes people find us online and they book, and I'm always very curious. I mean, normally all of them they talk to me first. Um, it almost never happens that someone just shows up and book this retreat, and if someone books it and talks to me, I love it. Like everyone who I talk to, it's so aligned because they know what they're looking for. They have gone through our offering and it's very, very blissful to speak with them and connect with our guests. This is for me, the one thing that keeps me going.
0: I see. It can be, it can be very special because you're spending a lot of time together. So I, I imagine you're building these uh, deep relationships. And how did you end up into this combination of inner work and and the water?
1: It's based on my own journey. So I was always um, a windsurfer myself. And as part of my own healing journey, I joined an organization called Mankind Project. They're amazing. Their motto or their mission is we change the world one man at a time. So it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. mission. And it's essentially um, like a sharing circle or a weekly meetup for men. It's a men's group. So men meet and they talk. And of course, there are some rituals. And one of the rituals is to identify their spirit animal, which is very much based on indigenous traditions Mm -hmm. um when i entered this world i was thinking this is so weird you know why would someone come up with a spirit animal name (laughs) however um today i know that rituals are beneficial for our societies and our mental health and one of the reasons why we have a mental health crisis is because we have lost connection um to ourselves to our community and we don't do rituals anymore and Long story short, my spirit animal was a dolphin. That's something I saw during a meditation. And I watched this video, I think this was by Greenpeace. It was about fishermen slaughtering dolphins. (laughs) And I just felt so touched. Um, Did some research and I found this Swiss switzerland-based organization doing work in egypt in the red sea with a focus on dolphins so they do research awareness and conservations mostly of the indo-pacific bottlenose dolphin population in the red sea in egypt so i sent them an email this is in the beginning of the global pandemic so i was in berlin it was not nice anyways to be in quarantine and they responded, they said, yes, you're welcome to volunteer, come to Egypt. Of course, we had an interview process and all of this. So I, I, I went to Egypt, um, I spent a couple of months in the sea, mostly um, studying the population mm-hmm. of Indo-Pacific bottlenose dolphin. Very, very beautiful time. I'm very, very grateful to this organization, Dolphin Watch Alliance, and the president, um, Angela Zutana, they do amazing work. Like for example, last year they published a study about self-medicating dolphins, uh, which was groundbreaking. They identified a set of soft corals that dolphins use um, on their skin against parasites and other skin irritations.
0: And what I like about your story, you mentioned the importance of rituals uh, and also with yes. the men's men project. And I was uh, spending six weeks in uh, in Pachamama, a spiritual community in uh, Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And there we also did the men's circle and I found it so powerful to share vulnerably with men like what's going on in your life and what your challenges are. And uh, yes. uh, it's something that is not uh, typical maybe in traditional society, but I really see the value of it. But how would you describe the value of ritual for your own mental health or the value of men's circles?
1: Mm, You know, I also went to the Amazon, where you are right now, to Brazil, and I spent two weeks with one tribe um, doing rituals every day, every night, and it just felt I was very held. I felt this was the truth and I could totally just let go. And when these people come together, man, woman, separated, mixed, whatever, what I felt is there is like an, there's a collective trauma healing happening by being together in community, by making music, chanting and so on. This is when I feel alive and connected. So for me, this is the power of rituals.
0: I see so you're being held and there's a collective trauma healing can you share yes. a bit more about that collective trauma in a circle why that is so powerful
1: I don't know why this is I, it's something I have experienced um, I think it's on an energetical level and this hasn't been <laughs> this hasn't
0: been sufficiently researched yet <laughs> <laughs> I know it's hard to uh, it's, it's hard, hard to explain, explain right? <laughs> that's why this, podcast, sure. that's why but this the, podcast
1: hey, uh, I mean there are studies around this you know
0: it's why this podcast is sometimes challenging but I, if I had to describe it sometimes when you're in a circle with people you feel connected with at that moment but they're not so close to you in your daily lives sometimes it's even easier also to open up about certain mm. things that bother you in your life, so that's something for me that is powerful. And indeed, uh, the slowing down and taking time for reflection and contemplation. And there's probably mm. many, many more elements, but these are some of the elements that I uh, that I I, uh, I think are true.
1: I think it's also about um, this aspect of being close with community. And this just reminds me of something one of our guests from Sweden expressed during the last retreat in April. We climbed Mount Sinai in the Sinai Mountains, Mm -hmm. which is where Moses received the Ten Commandments. So there's many people going to that mountain every night, you know, Christians, Muslims and Jews from across the world. It's a very beautiful place. And we went with a group of maybe, I don't know, eight, nine, ten people. To spend a night on top of the on the top of the mountain, and it's been so beautiful, like very simple life. We we're sleeping under the stars, under our blankets, next mm-hmm. to each other, because under the open, uh, you know, just openly. It was very very nice. And one of our guests said, "It was so nice to fall asleep, listening to the sounds of the other group members sleeping." You know. Um, this is how it's meant to be. yeah. And I think what he meant is, this is how we lived as humans for, for thousands of years, if not more, you know, in tribe, traveling together as nomads, sleeping in the same space, hunting and so on. So yeah. there is something about being in a group in nature. This is why we feel so connected there. And in our, in our world today, it's much more about individualism so in this whole world of like tracking our health and all of this, you know, I love this field, but it's, um, it's much more about the individual. It's like, okay, I need to sleep in a quiet room. It needs to be 100% dark and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I see. <laughs> but I, a,
0: something is missing out. I see. That's a big, uh, a big difference. So yeah. In the past we used to live in, in community and in, 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 uh, in nature. And um, how is it for you to have made this uh, shift? Because you could say it's quite a shift, you know, from the UN to this this free life that you are living. Uh, mm. is, isn't it too extreme sometimes? Or do you feel it's only getting better and better? Huh.
1: So it's not always easy, that's for sure. Um, it's totally leaving the comfort zone of having a proper job with a proper income. But I feel this is the same for probably every entrepreneur. Um, there's incredible challenges constantly, but it's like a muscle that we can train. It's about the mindset. Mm-hmm. It's about embracing the challenge and the challenge and the growth. I'm not mastering this all the time, but I know this is the way to go.
0: Yeah, I see. So you can and, and,
1: yeah. and this is something I shared with you when we had a quick chat before this call um, why why not living like why not giving everything and really living a life out of the norm I don't see any reason for it so I would rather embrace total change Um, one of my friends he calls it going into total craziness
0: (laughs) What I, what I like, I read a book on, uh, on shamanism from Carlos Castaneda. And uh, one of the books is called Journey to Ixla, And Ixla symbolizes journey home. Mm-hmm. One of the chapters is about erasing history. And it doesn't mean that you need to let go of all your family and friends, but that you need to let go of the identity that you have or the perception of your identity. Let's say you choose to be a lawyer and then every day you need to be a lawyer. So, it's kind of the idea that every day you can wake up and and, and see what life brings you. But I think we have both kind of been a bit of a similar journey where we are open for new identity or kind of open what comes, right?
1: Absolutely. However, this is also, um, there's also many traps, I feel. For example, in entering the so called spiritual world, it's um it's just another <laughs> it could just be another mask yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah it could be right so do you think it is for mm. us do you think we're trapped in that To a certain degree yes
1: however um the moment you you're conscious about it then you have <laughs> then it's okay I mean it's okay but then you have already evolved further
0: Uh I see I see yeah no, it could definitely be be a new thing. And I think we are, what we share is maybe we're quite ambitious and we want to achieve results or achieve something. Then before, before you realize it, you go all in on retreats and all these experiences. Um, have you been to ISTA already? To ISTA? Yes. Do you mean the International
1: School of Temple Arts?
0: Yes. I have, yes. Ah, How was it for you?
1: wow um so you know it's very hard to say um sometimes people ask me about specific events in my life for example how did Ista have an effect on your life or how did i don't know the experience in the amazon change your life and all of this and as there as we are living in a multi-layered world i cannot pinpoint Mm, let's say, change or growth in my life to a single event, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, um, whew, how was ISTA? Um, for sure, I have learned a lot on how to run retreats at ISTA because they run very professional ones. That is beautiful. Um, I also connected very deeply with other human beings. I met some very, very great liberated people there you know that's that's one of the things of going to like retreats which are maybe a bit more out of the norm you meet people like you who are a bit out of the norm so that's <laughs> that's very powerful at the same time i do see a danger of also like um what i said earlier this whole um you could call it spiritual bypassing which is like or let's say also like only stick with one community. It's like, okay, now I'm part of another club and now I'm sticking to that club or that club, you know? So that's also one of the risks I see. Um, For me, it was truly liberating and powerful. I have launched my own retreat after I have done ISTA... No, wait. After I have done ISTA Level 1, I moved to Egypt. Uh, Mm -hmm. After I have done ISTA Level 2 i started my own retreats so clearly it had an impact on my life
0: Ah, so you feel more empowered right to make certain choices i mean that's at least what it did to me
1: um yeah i mean you know this is something that comes down when we talk about retreats a lot it's Most people, including me, feel pretty amazing after a retreat, you know? And I felt like, wow, so powerful, connected, and aligned right after I did the ISTA. But then, like, slowly it faded away, and I feel like I have to be reminded again, you know? Um, But I'm actually um, in the process now of assisting at a level two over here in Australia next month.
0: So,
1: yeah, I am... I learned a lot while I assisted already before, so I'm continuing the journey with them. That said, um, like every organization, um, there's also some shadow, you know, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which I'm aware of.
0: I see, yeah. Yeah, For me, it was a really powerful, powerful retreat, uh, really about like, I don't know, showing up in the naked truth. Literally and uh, figuratively, yeah, and it made me aware of certain areas in my life where maybe I was not yet fully truthful or wh- where I wanted to show up more uh, with certain people so yeah. but it's but it's the same it's hard hard to describe uh, what it is and mm. um, another another question I have is I think you you enjoyed networking when I met you I mean you've been part mm. of the when. Mm. You used to go to the World Economic Forum. Um, Is that still something that you uh, enjoy doing? Yeah, of course. It's
1: in my natural element. Um, However, I'm also pretty aware of the fact that I'm super privileged. I mean, of course, there is my my personality, which is... um, I think it's easy to connect with me, and um, I can I can speak to different people from all sorts of backgrounds. At the same time, you know, I come from a privileged um, country, Germany. I'm white. I'm not super ugly, so you know, I've I'm I'm very blessed, which make um which which helps the networking effect too. Yeah, I I know but, it's,
0: it's, it's
1: but, easy, right? but but for sure um what I really like is when when people connect on the heart level, you know? And this is why they want to connect. And mm-hmm. this is actually how I got some of my jobs before, you know? And I didn't really understand, but um I was for example once um a consultant and yeah. <laughs> People were talking about uh, about the heart. You know, I was very surprised that this is actually something that can have an impact on on the hiring process.
0: Mm. And you said connecting with the heart, and I think I don't know if I remember correctly, but you connected with Richard Branson or with the president of, of France, or there was some kind of funny story. Can you remind me? <laughs>
1: uh, yes. So with <laughs> so with Richard Branson. I was literally um, at the World Economic Forum in Davos. I was not a delegate. I was just um, hanging out in the village, going to side events. And I spotted him um, at a restaurant. So I popped by and said hello, introduced myself and my business in Africa. I wanted to have him as a partner, of course. Like, Who wouldn't want that? Mm -hmm. And he didn't really understand what I was doing. He's like, I don't really... I understand. <laughs> but I but you're a German, right? I think what your Chancellor just did for the refugees of Syria, that was incredible. I would like to congratulate you. Okay. <laughs> and I was thinking, wow, you know, um he doesn't care about business so much. He cares about bigger topics like for example humanity. Um what was the other president you mentioned? France? So
0: you were you were pitching your your plan for the yes. African bus, but did yes. he did he partner up with you or or not?
1: No, no. There were a few follow up emails with his colleague, but no, nothing happened. Nothing came out of it. I mean, I think it would have been possible if I would have sticked to that business line, but I decided not to.
0: I was um, at Mind Valley this year in Estonia. You know, talk someone who had met uh, Richard Branson, I think, at his island. Mm. And he said that this guy operates at a complete different frequency, indeed like a heart level, and that's kind of his unique strength. But is that Mm. also a experience in that interaction with him?
1: Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, I I, I felt the same thing as your friend described.
0: Yeah, he must have had a magnetic... uh, Magnetic charisma. So that was one story. Now, what was the other story with the president?
1: So I I worked in multiple positions where I was ex- exposed to to presidents. For example, I worked for a consulting firm in Paris that used the, the owner. He used to run World Economic Forum for over ten years, and I also worked in a luxury hotel as a student. Uh, you know, I was in the media department of the UN during the General Assembly, where everyone meets at the UN HQ in New York. Um, of course, I never had like eye-to-eye meetings with these guys, but sometimes, you know, brief interactions. Um, so there are many stories. For example, um, I think this is two thousand nine or eight, or oh, anyways, long time ago. Uh, at the General Assembly at the UN, and there was the guy who worked for Ahmadinejad, the former president of Iran, and, you know, they asked me for help because they had to go to some bilateral meetings, and of course I have to help them. It was my job, you know, and back then, I mean, Ahmadinejad, he was all over the news described as a devil, and it was just, I will never forget walking through the hallway of the UN with him, and then seeing the reactions of people seeing him. It's like, whoa, you know, as if you see like the devil suddenly in front of you.
0: Wow, I can imagine that that's, that's weird if it's suddenly uh, in front of you and um, what kind of- And I would, like
1: to share, I would like to share one more story about um, this president. <laughs> So we were invited to a session with him where we could ask questions. And back then I was an intern at the UN. So I was with a very qualified group of people um, in that room, many people. And he was giving a speech. And the speech was so incredibly amazing that everyone, you know, clapped in the end. And there was... Almost no criticism of him. This is incredible. Nope. It just shows me how strong, the, how important it is to be a good speaker as a leader. And I'm not saying that he was a good leader. Yeah, hmm. I'm just saying that it's incredible. This is a very strong skill set that many dictators have.
0: Yeah, I, I think in
1: fact you need to have it as a dictator. Otherwise, you can't win the masses
0: yeah yeah you need to be uh, strong. like speaking and networking are important in, in in politics. And I think you're you're a great networker. So what are some recommendations you have for other people, or what are some best practices on on networking at a high level?
1: Be yourself and don't try to sell anything. I have another interesting story. Um, this is only maybe three years ago. I attended um, the World Economic Forum. I was there on behalf of the UN, and I had many meetings throughout the day. It was mostly about sustainable development goals, innovation labs, and these sorts of things. And I felt pretty drained. I generally feel pretty drained these days when I go to conferences and network with all these people. So I end up going to a bar to relax a little bit, like some coffee shop. And just disconnect. And then there's two guys next to me. And (laughs) one guy asked me, hey, what's your name? Mm -hmm. And I just said to him, oh, my name is Powerful Dolphin. (laughs) Which is my spirit animal name from the man's circle, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So pretty random answer. So being yourself
0: is very important and not not selling anything. Because that's annoying to people, right? When you start selling immediately.
1: Exactly. Exactly, it's, uh, that's not very beneficial. It's better to connect to other people through emotions and through your current state of
0: being. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Most of the times I'm applying it, but sometimes when I have this, uh, I don't know, I can be a bit needy and then i like, oh, this special person that I need to sell, but then it never works, right? So mm. it's better when you're in a relaxed flow. I think it, uh, it's much better. Mm. And the Soul Kitchen podcast uh, is about finding recipes for life. And each guest that I interview shares a recipe with the listener. So based on all your experiences, what is kind of a recipe that you want to share?
1: A recipe for life. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. So, balance Balance is very, support, very, very important in everything we do. Everything we do is about balance. That's one thing. I also feel um, there is no black and white in this world. It's always, there's always a gray zone. And also, we know nothing. So these are maybe not, it's maybe not a the recipe. These are more like general rules for life for me. So, for example, I can't be sure of anything, okay? Um, that's, that's, because if I'm sure of, of something, I, d- I don't know everything, you know? So, we know nothing as
0: humans, actually. Yeah, so balance, there's a gray area and we don't know uh, anything. And the balance part, I think that came also because at some point you were out of balance and you realized the importance of balance.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... so I was, was just... It? I was out of balance. I overworked. I was out of balance in most aspects of my life because I was only living for my job. And yeah, I mean, it's about enjoying life too. You know, it's about the deep connections we, we have and the moments we create. It's all about moments. And it's also about, yeah. it's about courage and going into the unknown. Um, let's say I was forced to slow down I didn't have the energy anymore to go, to continue. And also on a mental level, I was not well.
0: Mm, I see. So there was like a a transformation was, uh, was needed. And was it only in the area of like work, working less, or were there some other areas?
1: No, no, no. I think I shared a little bit earlier why I overworked because I was seeking sometime, something in the outside. Like, um, I think it's, I think it's, for most people, it's not actually, oh yeah, this guy, he worked too much. You know, he worked 100 hours as an investment banker and the investment banks, they have now to change their r- rules or whatsoever. No, I think it goes deeper. Why, does, why did this guy have to become an investment banker? You know? Like, who? what does this guy have to prove and why, you know? And also from a mission perspective, what's great about just chasing as much money as possible? I feel if we would all go deeper and heal our childhood trauma and and, and be well, then we would not have any bad business in this world anymore. No more greed in all of this. Yeah, this is what it's all about. It's about uh, healing ourselves to make sure that we will improve the evolvement of humanity and create a better world for all.
0: I see. And can you explain certain changes that you've seen people make after your retreats? Like, Can you give a specific example?
1: Hmm, I have to think about this. Yeah, so for example, I'm, I just remembered one of my friends, I actually met him in Berlin, and he came to the retreat after a breakup, he was not doing too well, he didn't know what to do with his life, and after the retreat, he was totally transformed, like he was open for love again. In fact, he told me uh, he's attracting so many women to his life, it's too much. Now he's mm-hmm. in a very happy relationship with one woman in true love. This is how he calls it. So this is a very, very, very beautiful example. And, you know, I remember this guy, he used to work also, also in technology like I did, and he had enough And now he works in the construction industry, super different field, but he also didn't want to work in this hyper capitalistic space anymore and go more on an inner journey. And today he's just much happier. So there was a huge change in his life, which I admire.
0: Uh, That's amazing. And yeah, the, the, the chasing different women can also be a bit of a trap, right? Looking for external validation.
1: Of course, yeah, it it could be woman, it could be success, uh, you know, whatever.
0: I, I see. So that's a beautiful, uh, beautiful example. And what can we expect from you uh, in the future? Like, when is your next retreat? What is your vision? Like... <laughs>
1: oh, I love this question. It's like in a job interview. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? <laughs> I don't know. I might walk out of the room and uh, fall in love with another woman or whatever, you know. Um, however, of course, there is some sort of plan, uh, we have our next retreat in Egypt coming up in the end of April, it's going to be very, very beautiful. We have already um, sold quite some spots, so I'm super grateful about that. We are also bringing in um, like a very gifted uh, facilitator from Saudi Arabia. So I'm super happy to tap more into the Middle East because for now we have mostly had European and American guests coming to our retreat, so I want to want it to be more more global um, So yeah, honestly, that's really the next thing for me: the retreat in April, and then let's see, we might do more in the future.
0: I see, but you take it uh, you take it step by step. And we uh, take it step by step, yes, retreat you meet people at a deep level i've i' i i am curious, have you already done some collaborations with these people or some projects or some spin offs, <laughs> or is it more that you serve people at the retreat, and then you guys separate
1: um no, no, you're totally right. There's already some projects happening. It's a great, great um place to meet might mind uh like minded people mm-hmm. uh there is for example one one guy very amazing human. He wrote a book on sustainable investment, what you call ESG today, already 20 years ago. In terms of time to market, he was definitely too early. (laughs) So he's working on the next edition now. And with him, we also want to launch an investment fund, investing into sustainable projects. So that's something we're working on together. Um, we are also working on an online project with the same guy and mm, there's also new projects arising from the crew. Mm-hmm. So we are, we are talking now about running some mini events in uh, other places of the world next year. I mean, this year, actually, in summertime.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, it's the it's playground for new ideas. And a network for people to make it happen
0: I see so it's uh, uh you kind of meet people and you serve them, but it's also kind of an incubator for new ideas uh, similar to what you had done in the past
1: yeah, however very net like in a natural way nothing is it's not the it's not the goal it no, just happens
0: yeah i i i understand yeah talking about communities and retreats you spent some time volunteering in angst that's where we met i think it was so funny that we met again in this this place so unexpectedly Um, Mm -hmm. there you talk told me about the value of volunteering and how cool that experience was and i've actually never done such a longer time volunteering but how was your experience there would you recommend it to other people volunteering I mean,
1: volunteering is a very, very beautiful thing to do because we are we are basically serving a higher mission, a higher cause. Oftentimes, in organizations that don't ha- fit the capitalistic model we operate in, so they do rely on volunteers. Um, speaking about Ensbacher, it's an eco-village and retreat center. Um, or speaking about ashrams and other spiritual centers, oftentimes the income. Of these centers is just not enough to cover all the expenses, so they rely on volunteers. Same in other places like um, environmentalism, uh, social projects, and so on. So, I feel like every human um, that comes from the school system graduates should be given the opportunity to volunteer. You know, ideally in an official framework. Because then we all would have to do that and we would expand our horizon and not just go to the next step, which is looking for a job or going to university or whatsoever. Um, It's also very important to uh, develop ourselves further in these sorts of volunteering opportunities. For me, every volunteering I've done in my life um, just gave me so much, really had a strong impact on my past. So I can highly recommend it.
0: That's beautiful. And uh, I think in Germany, uh, when I was traveling, like when I was 18, I was traveling the world. I met some people from Germany that did like one year volunteering as part of the government program. Is that still exist- Yeah yeah, there
1: is such a program. I know that back in the days it was possible to go for either the civil service or the military service. Civil service is essentially volunteering somewhere, but there's another program which I believe still exists. I have not much more information about it.
0: Mm. And what is the, I think I yeah, think what? it's a,
1: it's a voluntarily social year that's how it's called
0: yeah I think it's a beautiful idea. I really. Would love to see that implemented also in the Netherlands, because as you say, you learn how to serve a higher mission. And um, yeah, what is the psychological difference for you when you work for money or when you volunteer?
1: Hmm. So when I work for money, I just um, work fast because that's that's normally the case. You know, we have to be fast paced to make money and outperform competition in a business. Um, It is rewarding to get the paycheck in the end, for sure. As a volunteer, it's more like a, the experience is more soft in a way. It's Mm -hmm. more about connecting with the other volunteers. It's connecting with fields that we normally don't really work in. For example, at Engsbacher last summer, I worked in the gardening team. So I worked with permaculture, agriculture, I had to uh, weed, I I had to seed, I had to water plants. It's one of the most beautiful jobs I've done in my life. Um, I realized until the age of 40, I've never actually done any work with the soil, you know, the, the soil that has been feeding me for my whole life. So when my supervisor asked me to um, you know, do some weeding or something the, on the first day of my shift, I felt so connected and touched that I started to cry.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: And uh, <laughs> an, an incredible
0: effect. Yeah, tears can be uh, can be beautiful, but you're, in a sense, inspi- inspiring me because uh, uh, volunteering work, I've never done it for a longer period of time. But the people that I've met over the past years during my world trip they've been really positive about it so it must have some uh, some special effect
1: yeah and i think also the more you give the more you're going to get back mm. like i'm <clears throat> i'm i'm actually thinking about um serving in an ashram in india and one of my friends highly recommended it to me and I said to him, but you know, I have to be online every day at least for an hour or so because I I have to check my emails and see if there is anyone who booked and has a question about my retreat and all of this. Because until today it's pretty much me who is who's running the show. Hopefully this will change in the future, but um yeah, I'm crucial to the business. And my friend yeah. said, you know, it's probably possible, probably you can fit in an hour here or there, but this is a true a dedicated program you wake up every morning at 4 30 a.m and you do all the practices you do all the work and you're busy all day and it's not mm. about doing a thing on the side or chatting all the time with the others no it's really a deep inner transformational journey
0: and where is it? ashram in india
1: so that particular one it's um actually set up by Sadhguru, and he has two locations in India. It's called Isha. I haven't gone yet. Um, However, my friend highly recommended it to me. So this is something on my to-do list. And for me, um, doing these type of, or living these type of experiences, it's extremely beautiful. And this is why I love the industry I don't even like to call it an industry, but it is an industry. I work now in the industry of well-being. And by participating in a retreat or going to an ashram, it's about serving myself, going on a deeper journey. It's about learning how to serve my guests even better. And in a way, it's also part of my networking where I, oftentimes meet then future guests by my own for my own retreats so for me yeah. it's a very beautiful uh, way of living
0: it is really beautiful and how, how how much time do you want to spend there in Isha?
1: first of all i have to find time for it i have to make time for it and as i want to go deep i don't think i want to make time for it right now it's um you know when i started my retreat business um, I was in the middle of participating in the three month intense workshop on healing your inner child. Mm-hmm. After like two weeks into the program, I was like, Oh my gosh, this program is so amazing, so powerful, I have to run a retreat and offer this to other people, like in a in a shorter form, you know. And so basically my energy focus shifted a little bit away from healing myself. To building a retreat business. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was not super beneficial for my own healing journey.
0: Ah, I so, see. this You're is good. why I
1: believe I want to pick the moment to go to the ashram nicely at a moment when I can fully dedicate myself to it and not be distracted by anything else.
0: I so, see. therefore,
1: so- I have not scheduled it in my calendar right now.
0: Yeah. So, be because you're so entrepreneurial and you were so excited, you kind of wanted it to offer to other people, but maybe in hindsight, did you think you started too soon? Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course. I think I started too soon. I was like, oh my gosh, everyone should do this. This can change the world. (laughs) I have to bring it to other people. (laughs) I was so excited. And this is also, I would say, um, you know, this is also one of my patterns. You know, it's like all about, helping other people oh okay now I'm going to start a nonprofit and help um, you know, populations in Africa now I'm going to help uh, dolphins or whatever um, it's actually first about helping ourselves you know if we are well this is the best we can do for others okay. there is no need to create a nonprofit saving the world if you are not well yeah. this is the number one step
0: this is I the see. best
1: we can do. And this is why I do what I do today.
0: But in a way, it's ironic, right? Because you're, you're setting up a retreat business, but maybe you're, you still need healing yourself. But Of course, but then, of course. Then,
1: I'm, yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm on my deep journey and this is something that surprised me about this industry, you know. In the industry of well-being, there's, um, many people go into this world because they have issues, you know. At the same time, one of my retreat guests, he came to me one day and he said, "Fabian, you know, the re- the people that come to your retreat, um, they're all highly. In- they- there's a few things about them. They're all highly intelligent, and they also know that they have a problem. And the truth is, everyone has a problem, but these people they know it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference. So they have a high level of uh, self awareness." But I'm really, um, really excited to follow your uh, your journey. And um, I think it's Likewise. a risk when you set up a business, uh, it can be risky that you can't take time off anymore to go to an ashram for two months, for instance. But can you organize your business in such a way that you, that you can take such a time off? Or are you now, again, like tied structurally to your business?
1: You know, everything is possible and we create our own reality. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is possible, of course, yeah. I can I think see. of ways that can happen. Yeah.
0: Why I'm interested in these things is I also want to organize retreats, and, uh, but I also want to take time off, so I want to do it in a balanced way. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm working on my new website and with the Soul Kitchen, I'm really excited, so I'm working quite a lot. Um, but I've scheduled some some time off in nature, and I think yeah, going back to nature all the time is, is kind of the answer to me yes
1: yes for sure it's nature and it's also about you know associating with someone else like you don't have to do it alone
0: yeah that, that's absolutely true is there anything that you still like to talk about or excited about to share in this episode a topic that we didn't touch something you want to share with listeners
1: uh, i'm just very happy and grateful that we talked jasper um and I, you know, I don't have much more I want to talk about. I'm very happy to, to be in touch with people who want to connect. Um, and I just wish everyone the best. And I know that we are all in it together. And in the end, there is also only light. That's right. what I would like to share. And all of the things happening in this world right now, which might upset us, um, are just distractions. And I feel if we are mindful, meditative, then we are all slowly moving towards the light. Uh,
0: Thank you very much for these uh, wise words of uh, of wisdom. Thank you for your time. I really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, to everyone that has been listening, I uh, see you soon. See you. (laughs) Bye.